At Warehouser, we are committed to making products that are reliable, dependable, and perform to a high standard. Our enhanced OSB floor panels are equipped with our patented downpour self-draining technology to reduce rainwater ponding on the job site. And all panels come with edge seal and easy fit tongue and groove for hassle-free installation. With three different panels, you have options with Edge, Edge Gold, and Diamond. Warehouser is here to partner with you to build strong reputations and deliver exceptional performance. Connect with a representative at warehouser.com for product availability in your region. For over a century, Duraseal has led the industry in providing stains, sealers, finishes, fillers, and maintenance products for you, the hardwood flooring professional. And with a large team of application experts and over 800 distributor locations, you can count on us to have your back every step of the way. To request a product demo or contact a sales rep, visit us at duraseal-wb.com. Hello, and welcome to the Real Answers Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Martin, President and CEO of the National Wood Flooring Association. My partner in crime, Chris Zizza, President of CNR Flooring in Boston, is also here, joining us in parts unknown. So where in the world is Chris Zizza today? Chris Zizza today is in between Boston and beautiful northern Vermont, on my way to Vermont for the long weekend. Those of you who don't have a holiday this weekend, I recommend you just make up your own, like I did. Oh, it's Zizza that's it. It's Zizza Day tomorrow, and I'm going to take full advantage of it. Well, I think since uh, since it's so hot out there, it's good to take a holiday if you can. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll actually spend the better part of the morning writing wood flooring inspection reports and checking on our annual sales and whatnot, uh, which is a little bit what we're going to talk about today. And so I got some of the homework that I'll be doing this weekend is what we're going to talk about today. All right. Well, we keep seeing interest rates continue to rise and investments continue to drop. So I think uh, now is a perfect time to start shoring up your business and thinking about what if there are some bumps ahead. So why don't we start with some cold, hard cash? Yeah. So I couldn't agree more. Um, Literally protect the cash. I mean, you know, I was sitting here trying to think, you know, what are we going to talk about on this next one? And, And, you know, I always try and think, what am I working on? And then I, you know, I have conversations with my mentors and everybody keeps saying the same thing to me. And what they're saying is we've got an untold future during a very busy time. And it's just uncertain on what's going to happen around the corner. And so what I want to do, and this is probably more directed at some of the younger guys, because us older guys, We've had the luxury, which wasn't really a luxury, but we've had the luxury of going through a downturned economy. And you know, let's put COVID aside for a second because that was its own animal. Um, when things change for the worse, you, you got to plan for it. And when things are really great and rocking and rolling, and if you're young and you're not used to making great money, uh, or you're making great money for the first time, and you run out, you buy a boat, you buy a car, you buy a house, Hey, it's all good, but I'm trying to tell you, if you want to know the secret to the real longevity, it's yes, get a couple things, but let's also always be protecting our cash for what's around the corner that we can't see. And, and that's exactly where I'm at as I sit here at 56 years old and 37 years in the business. Um, our war chest is super strong. I'm very happy to say that. Uh, and, it, and it took a long time for me to, to get there and realize it. I really enjoy when guys that are listening to the show or guys that I'm working, uh, coaching, 
with will call me up and tell me where their cash position is. And I say, that's great. And some of them want to go buy equipment and or a building or whatever. And, you know, we talk about it. We talk a plan through. And if you want to buy a building, I would say wait on the building and hold on to the cash because I think there's going to be buildings for sale. Not real soon, but soon enough. So if you were just giving some general advice on how many months of operating cash would you have kind of stored back in your nest egg? You know, funny you ask, because I was just doing that kind of math. I have a friend of mine who's in the middle of selling his company. And he said that the investment buyers like to see a minimum of 12 months of cash in the bank if they're going to buy a very solid liquid company. Now, we're not talking about selling in your question. We're talking about longevity. So even if we cut that in half and said six months worth of money, I still think that's ultra conservative. So I'm going to say I want 90 days of cash in my bank account. And I'm talking about that's in an account that, you know, that's my bare minimum in one of my accounts, as you all know out there, if you've listened to the show before, I'd like to work with multiple different uh, bank accounts. I put the money in different buckets on purpose because if you put it in that favorite bucket, the operating account, it just disappears. So, Michael, I'm going to say from giving advice, let's shoot for 90 days of cash that you're not going to be in trouble. Now, um, is that with or without a credit line in addition? Okay. Now, a great question. My credit line right now is at zero. And I want it there. So I, I say, don't use your credit line if you don't need to. And if you're sitting on a bunch of cash, you know, now's a good time to eliminate that line of credit because you really want to be strong. And the line of credit is for when you're in trouble. And well, that's my version of the line of credit. Other people have other reasons for wanting to use their line of credit. I'll give an example. I know somebody that will take advantage with their line of credit. They'll they'll prepay an invoice and get that 2% or 1% prepay discount. And then when the money comes in, they'll pay back the line of credit. I don't know. You're playing with hairline fractures of what it costs to use that money. I prefer that line of credit for CNR flooring. If I start dipping into that, it's it's because we are really at a last resource. And that means things are bad. So I agree with what you're saying there, Chris. But I also think it's important to have a credit line because you just never know when an emergency situation is going to come up. And to have something that's already secure with a low interest rate that you have already worked out with your bank um, is really a, a nice insurance policy to have. Oh, I think it's paramount. If you don't have a line of credit right now, I'd suggest going to get one because I believe the bank's going to want to give you one right now. It's such a good time. I, I'm not saying I don't believe in lines of credit because without a line of credit, I never would have survived through those, you know, those terrible times. And, and God knows I have, I've had plenty of terrible times. I just feel like right now I've, maybe I found the formula for not having a terrible time, even in a bad economy. And part of that formula is protecting the cash. Right. 
and, and, and it, well, cash is always king, but, but literally guys just don't believe that it's always going to be great. We're always going to have massive sales because you're, you're kicking certain customers to the curb right now because it isn't always going to be there. However, if you're the strongest guy going through it, or you're still standing on the other side, that's the time to really go make money. And, and that's the part that's exciting. And if this is going to be your first downturned economy, however far away this is, remember I told you, you want to be the guy standing on the other side. So Good advice there. I think I mean, we, our takeaways there on cash are have plenty and know how to get access to cash if you need it. Yeah. And by the way, last thing I'll say about cash, don't just use it because it's convenient. And you don't feel like making heavy collection calls and whatnot. Don't get lazy. Be afraid to use your cash because when you really need it, you want it to be there. Right. Let me ask you this, Mike. What does get organized mean to you? Uh, I kind of think it's a lifestyle. So are you speaking in terms of Michael Martin get organized or NWFA get organized, company get organized? I would say in business, it's, it's, it's one of the imperative things that you, you, you're always focused on. Yeah. I don't know if there's such a, such a thing as get organized. I think there's a way of living organized or there's a way of living in chaos. And I choose to have as much organization, especially in business as you can, because what you really need to focus on are the things that you don't see coming when they come, right? Just like cash. You, you know, you have it, you can sleep well at night and you can make for sure that, you know, if something comes up tomorrow that you didn't anticipate, you can make a good decision on it, or you can take advantage of an opportunity that you might not have seen. But that, in my mind, all comes from, comes from discipline and being organized with your finances and, and with your activities. Awesome. So you, you and I are on the same page there, and I'm happy to see that. What we're talking about is the culture of your company, and many different things define the culture of your company. If all your equipment is always, it works, but it's sort of broken, that's the culture of your company, man. And I would want you to improve on that, by the way. Um, if all your equipment is always, you know, impeccable, clean, ready to rock and roll, your trucks are organized, that's a great culture. And so get organized to me always means where are we with our equipment? Where are we with our warehouse? Where are we with our inventory? Specifically, inventory is something I wanted to touch on today. Well, let me ask, ask you a question before we launch into that about specifically about inventory. But, you know, the, the supply chain has been so messed up for the last 18 months to two years as far as being able to even have inventory. Um, do you see that lessening now? Or is that starting to fade out this summer or are we still really in a kind of a crisis uh, of securing material? So not the same crisis, but the crisis is still around. At least I'm experiencing that. I had a container get stuck. I, I don't even know where they made. I think they made up the island. They said the boat was floating by. You know, we're waiting on some mahogany to come in and it's delayed. I, I wholeheartedly believe the manufacturer that it's delayed. Don't misunderstand my statement. But some of the shipping woes are still there. This boat was supposed to be here two freaking weeks ago. Is my client happy? They're not. But we're approaching it in a professional way and we're explaining it was out of our control. So it's working. But yes, some of those shipping woes are still around. And so inventory being what it is can be a problem. But I want to talk about a smaller volume of inventory for the smaller guys. 
um, e- even my own company. I mean, we're not huge. We got a decent size warehouse, but there's plenty of guys with bigger warehouses. But I want to talk about, hey, we had five bundles left over off this job the other day, and then you had three bundles from another and 10 from another. And we all know, even you small guys, you've got two or three pallets stacked up in your garage. That's still cash, and it is inventory. And if it's just stacked somewhere, I don't care where your somewhere is, but if your extra stuff is stacked somewhere and you kind of know what's there and kind of know where it is, I'm afraid I believe that's not organized enough. And what I'd like you to consider to do is why don't you go unstack those piles, actually physically count it, write it down, enter it into a computer somewhere or put it in a notebook and actually know what you have. Because the next time you go to do a small installation on a one rumor or some patchwork or any anything somebody looking for a deal, you want to know what you have 500 feet of and you want to know what you have 80 feet of. Because when you go to do the estimate, go back to your folder, go back to your inventory list, see what you've got and see what you can resell into the system and turn those extra bundles into cash. Because that is what we call bottom line profit. It's found money. If it just sits in your warehouse for the next 15 years, you know what? You didn't do anybody a favor. You got to learn to turn that into money and flip it around. You know what I'm saying, Mike? I do. I do. And, and so we've done that religiously and it works. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, uh, we call it a hot sheet. I know other guys call it a hot sheet. I know one guy that calls it the garbage page because um, he says it's never going to sell. But you know what? Something on there is going to move. So that that's that's just my little tidbit about inventory control. We can go off on a rent in any direction and talk for a half hour. But we could. I'd, but I'd let's, rather... let's cover some other topics and we can come exactly. back to that one on another podcast. It, it, that's my point. So I'd ask this. I know we've talked about it in previous podcasts, but I'd like to remind everybody you're at the you're at the half year right now. Um, half year and full year is a great time to review your client list. So when's the last time you reviewed your client list and analyzed it for year over year sales? Here's a tidbit. If you're using we use QuickBooks and if you're if your software um, allows you to look at year over year comparisons, you can run a sales report summary, just give you dollar values of all your customers for the first six months of the year. But what might be interesting is to then go look at last year's sales and see how your top customers are performing. This is a little sneaky way of saying, hey, customers last year still my best customers this year. And if they're not, are they slowing down? Are they going out of business or are they using somebody else? Because if they're using somebody else, that's a freaking problem for you. Um, the other thing about year over year sales, let's just go to scroll to the bottom. What do we do through J- June in, in 2021? And where are we in June of 2022? Are we ahead? That answer better be yes. Cause if it's no, 
you know what? Everybody knows how to find me. Google my name. My phone pops up. Call me. We'll talk about it. I want to know why your sales are not ahead of last year. There's got to be a real reason or you have a real problem. And I'd like to help you get through it. Um, costs are up. So sales have to be up anyway. However, don't lose margin just because costs are up. If you're paying more, your customer has to pay more. You got to try to hold your margin whenever you can. It's not telling you what to sell at. I'm just telling you, don't give the farm away because it's going to hurt later. Well, and I think there's just such an expectation in the marketplace right now that no matter what you do, it's going to cost more than it did a year ago. Absolutely. You know, um, jumping around here, but when's the last time any of you, I, I get, I get, um, text messages from guys that do the garbage bag test annually. Uh, we do it annually at CNR and I feel like everything's gone up that we're about getting ready to do it. So I think it's possible the next, um, podcast, we may give you the results of that test. I know we've been looking at the jobs coming on the schedule and we're going to pick one and we're going to run a thousand foot test because I got to find out if we're still, well, I know our costs are not the same. So, and we haven't raised our price. So I want to know how much that's dipped into our margin and whether or not we're going to fix it. By the way, let's talk about top five customers. If you look at your sales in any given year and you pick your top five customers, I like to have a few questions about those top five, uh, five customers for myself. And those questions are simple. How well do they pay? That's a paramount one. Number two. How much maintenance do they require? How much handholding? Are they a big pain in your ass? It, by the way, if they're the, if they're the biggest pain you have, but they're also your largest customer, get used to it, you know, because you want to keep them. However, you're also going to want to identify traits about your top three or your top five customers. And let's, let's talk about like great traits. First of all, do they quibble on price or, or do you have them in a, in a comfortable place? Let's assume you do. Now let's look at the good things about those companies. What towns are they building in? How are their supervisors? Are their job sites always neat? And if all of those things that fall into place that you like to think about are a great, make a great customer. Now let's analyze out there who's marketing the same way as this company is. Who does this company compete against to build houses or remodel that we don't work for? Because that might be the guy you want to start to go and look for. That's how you're going to build your customer base with better customers versus filling your customer base with more people that are just massive headaches. And look, there's always going to be a customer with a headache. It just is what it is. Welcome to the real world. And right now in this world, I think the customers and the headaches are a little greater. But I feel like if you're patient enough, the good word gets around quickly. Um, if you don't mind, Mike, I'll, I'll say something that happened today. We're doing a job, literally did happen today. We're doing a job for a builder we've never worked for before. One of my job supers jumped ship, went to work for another one calls me up. He says, we got this job. We want to bring you in. I know you've never worked for XYZ construction. Um, can you come? I want you to do it. I've, I've really, Ziz, I've run you up the flagpole. Make sure you don't let me down. So this morning, I get a call from his site super, who's 
at 6.43 a.m. And he's not happy with our performance. And he's like, I need bodies on this job site right now. And, you know, we need to be done. We've already promised to be done by Saturday. And he's like, you'll never be done by Saturday. Well, I went by and walked through. And sure as shit, there were reasons why we were behind. They were all job site related. But we've got extra guys scheduled to come in and we're going to pick up the pieces. But I walked through it with the guy and I literally said this phrase. I said, hey, listen, this isn't your first rodeo or my first rodeo. We've both been in this game long enough to know that you came down on me this morning because your higher ups came down on you. He goes, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I go, no, man, I don't have a problem with it. I just need you to know that if you have a problem, you need to call me. We're going to respond and we'll move forward. He goes, boy, I've really enjoyed working with you guys. That guy went telling me at 643 in the morning that I was a complete asshat to I've really enjoyed working with you guys. The, we, our meeting was four hours later that same day. You just got to learn to handle the headaches. And this builder is a big builder. And we did zero dollars with him last year. So I'm really excited to have this opportunity. And that's the little story I just wanted to tell about when you're trying to cherry pick and grow your business with new clients. This new builder I found is just like one of my best customers. And, I, I, and he pays. Cherry on top. So let's go back just a second. Can you define asshat? Sure. An asshat is whoever is in your way. If you're in the fast lane and the guy's going 55 and you're going to 75, you sure as shit are going to say, hey, asshat, get the hell out of my way. <laughs> All right. Now, my entire crew, according to this guy, was behaving like asshats. So we had to get out of the way. So I hope that works for you. So, um, hey, let's talk about some hidden costs out there that we're not thinking about. And by that, I was thinking, hey, where are you working these days? Are you still working close to home base or have all the requests that are flying in from everywhere and the people's willingness to pay whatever you're charging? as it forced you to work further from your home base because fuel costs are real and you might not be analyzing that correctly. So you need to think about that and also think when you're scheduling your jobs, can you keep those jobs that are near each other and can you reduce the amount of truck time on the road? Um, it's just another thought and, and just another way of me saying to all you guys out there, there's a lot of ways to pick up a few, a little bit of savings just by managing it better. Um, you know, when we go to Cape Cod, it's a 90 minute drive. And so we're charging extra. However, we don't call it a fuel sur surcharge. We tried that years ago when, when the last time gasoline hit four bucks a foot. I don't know if you remember, it was like three, four years ago, five years ago. Right. And um, it was awful. I mean, sales, I mean, uh, fuel surcharge just pissed off my customers so the answer is when you're selling the job sneak that 10 cents in there under whatever you have to call it i and when they go hey this is more money than last time just say everything's gone up from adhesives to the chemicals that are in the adhesives to staples everything even we used to cover our floor with cardboard four by eight sheets of cardboard that i used to buy for 230 a foot I mean, a, a sheet, and now we buy it for four and a quarter. Everything's gone up, so we've gone up. Nobody argues with that statement. But when right. you throw fuel surcharge 
it's just a you know what it's a hot button and people aren't going to like it so you know what i'm pretty close to a wrap-up here for me mike i was wondering what's going on at the nwfa and what do we need to be thinking about i know we got schools out there i know that booth sales are ahead for next year's nwfa convention what else is going on Yeah, both of those things are correct. There's schools everywhere right now. School is definitely in session. So if you are looking to get into one, I would I would highly recommend doing that before the uh, the summer is over and we go into fall when we cut back a little bit then. So you know, if you're looking for that, please come join us. Schedule at nwfa.org. We're also, you know, as we head into fall, things get a little busier in the fall than they are typically in the summer. But what we're really, what we're really kind of struggling with right now is trying to book convention cities. It's been a, uh, a real challenge because, you know, we lost several different years of hotel contracts based on COVID and not being able to have a meeting and those types of things. And so those were the first cities we went back to to try to rebook for future years. And, you know, just like just like everybody else's business, the hotel businesses now are really, really, really slammed. And so I'm a, my, our biggest concern is that we're going to pay rates. We're going to book rates now and then we're going to go into a recession and then those rates are going to be too high for what the market is, you know, in two years, but it's, it's, it's tough. And you'll call one day and you have, you know, everything you need on that day. But then two days later, everybody else is trying to book a meeting that hasn't had a meeting in years. And so it's just all kind of a, it's all just a a very strange market to try to do business in right now. Uh, Again, exactly what we started this whole podcast, today's podcast with, which is these are uncertain times. You can't count on anything, you know, so you got to be able to count on yourself and you got to believe in the methods you're going to use and you got to follow your roadmap. I think that's a great place to stop. I don't know what else we would say. You know what, Mike? There's one more thing I wanted to mention, and that is, you know, we're, we're struggling. And I know I talk about this when you're scheduled. The guys are like, I'm two and a half months ahead. And I always say you don't have enough people. But we are like six weeks booked out ourselves right now, as big as we are. And I'm worried about it. And I'm also worried about bringing on more employees. And then if we do have a downturn. So I had a really nice meeting today with a guy who wanted to be a subcontractor for us. And I think, you know, I don't like subcontractors. I don't like to subcontract my sand and finish work. We never have. And I don't want to do it. However, I had a meeting with this guy today, and this is how what we arrived at. I said, if you're willing to park your truck and get in my truck and go do the job, I'm willing to put you on on a per job basis. And that way I'm controlling everything that's being done and I'm not introducing somebody else's truck and company to my customers. And he was like, that's great. I would love to be able to do that. He's a very small company. I know it'll be temporary, but it's going to get me through a few hurdles. I've got, we have, we have jobs waiting list right now. And I know I can throw some of these on. If I bring this guy in, let him work with one of our people and it increases our volume and increases our ability to keep our customers happy. And then it's only job by job. So I don't have to feel guilty if I don't have more work for him down the road. Right. Um, it's, I know it's straight up subcontract work technically by all the codes, but I just think it's a little different when, you know, he's getting in my truck and driving to the job with one of my other guys. Cause we have floater guys and I'm going to make a crew out of one of them. But well, it's, it's, also, it's also different when you have a relationship with someone that, you know, as opposed to just filling slots with whoever's available as a subcontractor. Exactly. And, and, and 
that's very different. So that's what we're going to try it. I'll let you guys know in a future podcast how it went and if it worked out. He, he seems real enthusiastic. And so, and he's young and I like giving the young guys a chance. Yeah. So that's all I really have today. I don't know if you have anything you want to ramble on about, but I think we took up a lot of time for these guys and I hope you guys are having a great day out there. I just hope their air conditioning is still working. All right. Hey, well, thanks for making my ride to Vermont a lot easier today. And uh, I'm just going to hit the horn and hope a couple ass hats get out of my way. All right. Drive safe. Have a great day, guys. Keep it real. Thank you for listening.